Welcome to another episode of Sex Nerd Sandra. As your host, Sandra Doherty, I have a few things to say. First, adamandeve.com. Thank you for supporting the Sex Nerd Sandra podcast. You can go to adamandeve.com, promo code SEXNERD at checkout. We have a special code, and that special code gives us 50% off almost any item in the store, free shipping, three free DVDs, and a super secret gift. I still want to know what you guys are getting. What are these free DVDs? I want some titles. They're funny. I like them. I love porn titles. They're so... Ah. Oh. I don't know. I feel like I could just do a spoken word reading of just porn titles, and it would be something beautiful in a funny kind of way. Anyway, um, this week, Joan, our guest, uh, talks about how uh, as you age, sometimes it's a little bit harder to get off, and she mentioned really strong vibrators. Well, what's much stronger than the Hitachi Magic Wand? $69.95, plugs in, crazy strong, crazy strong. However, if you want something that's even more fancy, more options, pulsations. The Lilo Smart Wands in both medium and large. They're pricier. They're silicone. They're definitely worth the money. They're ergonomically shaped. I'm just saying, if you want something strong, you got a couple options right there. Okay? AdamandEve.com, promo code SEXNERD, 50% off almost any item, free shipping, three free DVDs, and that secret gift. Okay, now that we've got that out of the way... Let's talk about the 100th episode show. Oh my God, guys. We're almost there. 100 episodes about sexuality. I I remember when Chris Hardwick said to me, dude, you have to, I don't know if he said dude, every week, consistency, you have to do it every week. And I was like, I don't know if I can, man. I don't know if I can. You know what? I, I'm almost to 100. This has been an amazing journey. And we're going to rock the house June 27th at Busby's East in Los Angeles. It's going to be freaking great. It's only 12 bucks. You need to get a ticket for this. It's going to be hilarious. I cannot wait to celebrate with you. So please come on down. You can get tickets. I'll be tweeting them out on Twitter, on Facebook, on my website. You can go to Body Storytelling, B-A-W-D-Y. We have sex geeks coming down from San Francisco. Reed Mahalka will be there. You are going to get to see so much physical comedy because when you talk about sex and even like learning moments, the truth is, is when you're in the, in the actual thing of like, you make mistakes and you learn from them. That's part of being well, human. But as a sex educator, those mistakes are extra funny. Uh, so Sex Geek Secrets, it's going to be a blast. June 27th, mark your calendars, grab your tickets now. 12 bucks, they're going to go fast. See you out there. I cannot wait. Okay, this has been a wonderful time recording this episode. I love it. I know people are a little squeamish about the topic, but believe you me, I left the studio feeling light and bubbly, which is one of my favorite feelings. So I hope you enjoy. All right, love you guys. Now entering nerdist.com. kids doing in here? Hey, if you're under 18, go ask your mom. Now that we're alone, let's start the show. Like I just just I just want to get a sense for where you're at right now cuz you have been touring a lot talking about your book. Are you like 
doing okay? <laughs> yes. like, I'm really tired. I am, but it isn't that I'm touring about the book. Mm-hmm. I give workshops in senior sex, mm-hmm. lots of different types, like the five myths of sex and aging. Mm-hmm. Uh, I actually give six myths because I give a bonus. But <laughs> <laughs> And I have a dating workshop, how the heck do I date at this age, and a variety of different workshops that people hire me to come and do. And that's oh. what's so much fun. And yes, I'm exhausted, but it's a wonderful, an exhilarated exhaustion. Oh, that's the best kind. Yes. Uh, Hey, friends. Hey, listeners. How's it going? Uh, Sex Nerd Sandra here, hanging out with the monumentally important Joan Price. Hello. Well, hello. Hi. Um, I first met you, um, I don't know if you remember this, but it was my very first ASECT conference at Pittsburgh. Oh, my. And I was extraordinarily nervous, and I was just about to walk into the hotel for the first time, and you hopped off the bus Uh. and walked in with me. And I recognized you, and you're like, here we go, and you were so excited, and I was like, Joan's cool. I like Joan. Oh, well, thank you. <laughs> you're welcome. So, um, and I've admired you over the years for your work in terms of just sexual empowerment and education around aging and sex. And so. I remember you live tweeting my workshop. I loved that. Thank you. You are so good at the twi- tweeting and the, the twittering. <laughs> um, so, and I always love your tweets, so it's like, oh, yay. Yeah. <sighs> Um, can you tell everyone a little bit about your, I mean, I know we've kind of foreshadowed, but about your work and your book that's just come out that everyone's freaking out about because it's so great. (laughs) Sure. Well, I call myself an advocate for ageless sexuality. Other people call me other things, but we might get to some of those. (laughs) (laughs) I'm an author and a speaker. I have written three books about senior sex, and this was this is a new career for me. It's only mm, since 2005 that I've been writing about senior sex. I wrote Better Than I Ever Expected, Straight Talk About Sex After 60, mm-hmm. to celebrate the joys of older age sexuality. And then I wrote, uh, five years later, Naked at Our Age, Talking Out Loud About Senior Sex, to address the challenges of senior sexuality. And just this year, the latest book has come out. It's called Ageless Erotica. It's an anthology of erotica written by writers over age 50 Mm -hmm. about characters over age 50, reflecting the realities of sex at our age, but in a really steamy, sexy way. Excellent. Does that sound good? It does. Okay. I was recently spending some time with your Naked at Our Age book, and really, it's... It's also just a positive sex book, period. Yes. Um, but it's all-encompassing and inclusive of people who are, are older. That's right. And younger people say to me, well, a lot of this really applies to me. Totally. And, and I get that. But the thing is, most sex books don't apply to people my age. I'm 69 as we're recording this. Mm-hmm. And I started out writing about sex after 60, then lowered it to 50 because the postmenopausal women were saying, hey, this applies to me too. Oh, right, right, right. Even though I'm not 60, everything you're saying here applies to me. And men go through a, a change. Oh, do they ever? And men are in naked at our age too. Great. Like, let's just, okay, I'm going to start at the beginning, which is the idea for most people, I've noticed, to think about older folks having sex is incredibly like, no, mm, mm, no, turn away, run. I I have a name for that, Sandra. I call that the ick factor. And it is rampant in our society, in our media. Uh, Even, believe it or not, among my generation, 
we have our own ick factor. That surprised me. That we also stereotype ourselves. We can internalize shame. Yes, we do. Yeah. We do. Yeah, I um, I was talking to an older couple and I was like, yeah, because people assume that at some point, like, it just turns off. And they're like, no. And the guy was like, there's no expiration date. That's exactly right. Yeah. We're not cheese. <laughs> you don't get moldy. <laughs> no. You're like wine. There you go. <laughs> you know, but then, of course, to say that, oh, it just gets better and it's like you're still like, but there's still challenges and there is like, you know, drives do change over time. Well, that's and- the thing. It's not the same as younger age sex. In many ways, it's better. In other ways, not so better. Um, you mentioned uh, that you have a workshop with the five myths. Like what are, like, could you just, I mean, now, of course, are we giving away too much? If you, if you tell no, us the five myths. No, no. Like, like what are some of the myths? Yeah. Okay, here's a major myth. Oh, can I guess one? Oh my God, wait. Oh, I want to guess. guess. I love guessing guess, games. Guess, guess. Okay, no, you at home guess too. Oh, wait, okay, myth, a myth, a myth, a myth, a myth. Um, well, so I state like, it as if it were true. Okay. Um, old people's sex is gross. <laughs> or is that just a stereotype and an awful That's thing just to say? A horrible oh, okay. stereotype, yeah. Um, after menopause, women stop wanting to have sex. Okay, there you go. Okay. There's one. Oh, that is? Now, the thing is, uh-huh. sometimes women think they've stopped wanting to have sex mm-hmm. because they don't have that desire, that mood ever present. They say, well, I'm not in the mood. When I'm in the mood, I always enjoy sex. Once I get going, it's a lot of fun, but I don't get in the mood very easily. And here is just one of my favorite tips for women. Mm-hmm. If the sex works well when you do it, If you're either with a partner that you love, that you feel happy sexually with, or on your own, just do it. Because used to be we'd have the mood first, Mm -hmm. and then the desire, and then the physiological arousal, and it all worked in that order. Mm -hmm. But now, if we get physiologically aroused, the mood and the desire come after that instead of before it. Yes. Thank you. Isn't that interesting? And do you know, um, you know, Stella Resnick? I do. Yeah. Like I, I remember her mentioning that and me being like, oh my God, yeah. everything's different now. That's right. It's all different. And so if we just get out, but see so many women don't understand that. Most people don't understand that unless they've been maybe to a good sex therapist mm-hmm. who said here, yeah, here's how it works these days. If you <laughs> don't days. know that though, they keep waiting for the mood when it doesn't happen. Totally. They think, oh, well, I guess that's over. Yeah. You know, I had a woman say to me in one of my workshops, I want my sweet spot back. Isn't that an interesting way to put it? She said, I always used to crave sex, and now I don't care. I can just go weeks, months without even caring about it. But the thing is that if you just let yourself get physiologically aroused. Through making out. Through making out, through solo sex, Mm -hmm. through whatever, a good vibrator. And you just do it anyway. The more you do it, the more the mood will hit you. Ooh. Excellent. Yeah. Okay. Myth number, the second myth. Wait, let me guess. Now, I also, I feel terrible because I'll probably say things that aren't on your list, but are just like. Oh, if they're good, we'll still talk about them. um, That uh, men, as they age, just want young women, younger women. Well, that's not one of my myths, but it it certainly does (laughs) come up that issue does come up, especially for uh, singles who are dating and they're mm-hmm. going, whoa, 
the fact they tell me I have to lie about my, the women say, I have to lie mm-hmm. about my age or nobody will date me. And I'm saying, no, let's be authentic. Let's just change that. Mm-hmm. We can change that by refusing to lie about our age, by being authentic mm-hmm. and challenging the men who are saying, I only want someone who is 15 years younger than I am. Okay. Now, see, let's say a man who is 70 says, I don't want to date anyone over 55. Mm-hmm. So you question about that. Why? Well, they're more attractive. Mm -hmm. So they're buying into this notion that's rampant in our society that only young bodies, and, you know, we're calling 55 young compared to 70, only young bodies are attractive. Mm -hmm. And that's just not true. And he's really condemning himself to being cut off from a world of amazing and beautiful women Mm -hmm. who could be very sexy and very satisfying to him if he'd give give them a chance. That's something that... I find really interesting. Actually, and I love that you say that because it's kind of like um, the movement for fat positivity and like body image where we only see in the media heavy people being made fun of and placed in a comic light. So to see a a heavy set person in a sexy light is just outside the realm of experience for most people. And the same for older folks. You just don't see it. Exactly the same. Yes. But we've got to change that. We've just got to change that by standing up and saying, hey, that's not funny. No. That's not funny. And calling people on jokes they make, on assumptions they make, on whether it's about other people or about themselves. A woman in my workshop the other day, very beautiful woman, she said, I'm in a really sexy relationship, but I don't want to be naked because Mm -hmm. I don't feel good about my body so Mm -hmm. I wear a Mm t-shirt I'll bet (laughs) I'll bet her partner would love to see her body naked Mm -hmm. or in lingerie Mm -hmm. in something lovely that shows off her assets rather than Mm -hmm. a a tent to hide under and we just have to change that whether it's the um, the fat positive movement or the the age positive movement yeah we've got to change the idea that anyone who doesn't fit hollywood stereotype of gorgeous and young and and sexy uh can't be having great rich satisfying yet let's yell about it sex because we can Mm, totally yeah yeah totally (laughs) yeah yeah (laughs) no it's i mean one thing that i've struggled with just i mean I'm, i'm turning 30 this year and forgive me for laughing. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it seems really, really young. <laughs> Which I mean, it is. It really is. I mean, I'm proud. Like, wow, I, I have, I have survived my twenties. Thank God. It's all, <laughs> it's all better from here. Yeah, it feels like it. Um, and of course, I mean, even at that age, people who have been used to being in their twenties now, a lot of my my friends are turning thirty, and then I have friends who are turning forty. There's a lot of decade milestones happening in in my world right now mm-hmm. and there's just this like jolt like oh my god i'm mortal like i'm gonna die someday uh, oh my god like i'm not as hot as i once was like all of this like afraid of what we're losing like, every year we lose we we're losing and losing and losing i see it a different way i see that every year you are gaining because who, who the person you've created of yourself is what starts to show little by little after 30 you know before that you're your genetics that you're just whatever your genes created. Your experience, your attitudes, none of that shows in your face or your body. 
But as you age, the person you choose to be, the lifestyle you choose, whether you are going to work out and keep your body as nice as it is right now. The food you're choosing to eat. The food you're choosing to eat. The laughter you're choosing to laugh. Mm -hmm. um, All of that starts showing on your face. So you're creating yourself now. It's not a bad thing. Oh, that's great. Thank you. I really... Like, I'm feeling sparkly inside when you say that. Yeah. See, when I look at older, when I look at young, good-looking people, I think, wow, that's a young, good-looking person inherited some good genes. Mm -hmm. When I look at a good-looking Mm 70-year-old, I go, oh, yes, that person (laughs) has, knows how to live a life. It's beautiful. It's a beautiful thought. Um, And actually, that reminds me, is, do you have a myth about okay statement once you are no longer fertile sex becomes unimportant to you or to your partner to Mm -hmm. the person like your drive depends on your fertility ah well that's a different thing okay your drive may depend on your fertility but whether you want sex depends on much more than your drive See, when you're, see, this is another reason it's better as you get older, because you're sort of at the mercy of your, dri- your drive right now. You're all, you're all it's very your, distracting. I know. <laughs> well, yeah, it is, because, <laughs> because your species wants you to reproduce, mm-hmm. and w- whether you're saying, no, I don't want to get pregnant, still, that urge is mm-hmm. saying, you know, the more fertile you are at any given time of the month, the more susceptible you are. So... Once you're done with that, you have other reasons to want to have sex. You can ha- want to have sex for joy, for bonding, for uh, the thrill, for um, the wonderful feel-good floaty feeling afterwards, mm-hmm. for bonding with a partner, for stress relief, for um, sleeping better, <laughs> for health. There's yeah. so many good reasons to have sex that don't depend on fertility. I met a man who um, who said that once his wife read Fifty Shades of Grey, right now, of course, there are criticisms of the book, but there's also an, people bec- have become inspired by the book. And she, her sex drive, definitely, like, she was just way more interested in trying new things and, like, uh-huh. reinvigorating the relationship. And both of them, they've experienced an increase in their health since yes. they've become more sexually and intimate uh, sensual with each other. Sex is good for us. Sex is really healthy. Does it does it actually get your hormones like kind of? Kind it's of good for the useful? immune system. Mm-hmm. It's good for the blood flow. Mm-hmm. It's good for heart health. It it seriously is good for you. Uh, and and you said that this couple was having better sex after reading Fifty Shades of Grey. Mm-hmm. I wonder whether that's because she's reading three erotica books in a row. It could have been, perhaps, other erotica that accomplished the same thing. Oh, totally. I mean, I think that just that just was the popular one. Yes. There's so much right. good erotica. I mean, right. like the anthology that you mentioned. Yeah. And, and I mean, there's like all kinds of good ones. What's mm-hmm. the name of the, the anthology? Ageless. Wait. Ageless erotica. That's what it is. Excellent. Um, ah. Okay, what are the other myths? I know that I've, I've just sort of guessing because I... I love guessing games. I know you do. Well, <laughs> the major myth is the old way is that because the old ways don't work anymore, it's all over. 
Oh, of course, right. And the thing is that we don't understand that the old way is not working anymore, not working the way they did, and I'll be happy to explain what I mean by that, doesn't mean that sex is over. It just means we need to go on a new journey of discovery Mm. to find out what it is that turns us on now, what it is that brings us to orgasm, if it's not the same as it was before. I like to give this example... Uh, uh, when I was, uh, I write a blog, nakedatourage.com. I've been doing oh, this great. blog for uh, six years now. Mm-hmm. And I, I do things like review sex toys from a senior perspective. And we mm-hmm. can talk about what that means and lots of things. Talks, uh, it's news and views and reviews to do with sex and aging. Well, one point a man wrote a comment on one of my blog posts and said, I don't know what to do. I can't seem to get my wife aroused anymore. We've been together a long time. We always used to have good sex. She loves having her breasts touch, and but no matter how much I caress her breasts, I can't get her aroused. Mm-hmm. I don't know what to do. Mm-hmm. At about the same time, I got an email from a woman who said, my husband won't stop mauling my breasts. <laughs> and she said... I used to like having my breasts touch, but now it just irritates the hell out of me. But I don't tell him because I don't want to hurt him. Oh, There's so much wrong with that because they're not communicating. What were they together? Pardon? Are they? Well, so, oh, see, that's the thing. I don't know that for a fact, but they so could have been. <laughs> they, I mean, it was just perfect timing and right. all. Right. Somehow it's on their computer, and one of them writes to my blog, one of them writes me an email, and it easily could have been one couple. Yeah, it's... This also, I mean, just to tie in, people who... People who fake their orgasms Mm. for their partner, and it's something that... Because they're in this cycle where they don't know how to get out, and they don't want to hurt their partner, and it's just sort of they're trapped in this, well, I want to move back past the point where I'm faking my orgasms. I'm like, just express it like your body has changed and you're having a harder that's, time and starting over right. and discovery. That's right. That's the thing that you, you don't want to shame your partner. You don't want to blame your partner in any way or put your partner on the defensive. So had I had those two people in the room, mm-hmm. <laughs> I would have, or even just the wife, I would have suggested to her that she say something like this to her husband. Honey, <laughs> I've always loved our, our lovemaking, and I know that my breasts were always my main erogenous zone, but things are changing for me now. I don't quite understand it, but my breasts are no longer sensitive in that pleasurable way. Do you think we could go on a, a journey of exploration to find out what I might like, like now? Now, is he going, that wouldn't hurt him. It's the perfect framing. Yeah. It's about yourself. You're yeah. not attacking. And, and what, what partner wouldn't want to go on that journey to find out what turns on a partner? Mm-hmm. So she's not saying, and I would never want her to say, I hate it when you maul my breasts. <laughs> I mean, she let it build up so far that that's what she yeah. said to me. Yeah. Poor guy. He's trying so hard to please her, and he's doing exactly what she doesn't like. But how, what does he know? Right. Duh, we all need to... <sighs> we need to communicate. We need to communicate but, what we need in terms that validate our partner, validate our relationship, but are really clear. Mm-hmm. Yeah. No, it's, 
it's so easy. And I know we say team fun on the podcast because to remember that you're on the same team and it's about enjoying each other. That's right. And to fresh, fresh every time. And for people my age who are not partnered and I, and so many of us are not. Right, right, right. We need to go on this journey on our own using self-pleasuring, figuring out maybe what vibrator might work for us now. If, uh, for example, we need much more sensation now than we used to need, uh, it just seems like it takes forever to get aroused and nothing works, then there are some pretty strong vibrators that I recommend Mm -hmm. that would work for you. So I, I always have suggestions of things that people can try, but ultimately it's everywhere all different. And some people will even say to me, you know, well, one person will say, I don't lubricate at all anymore, and I'll give suggestions for lubricants, and someone else will say, oh, I'm, I'm Juicy Lucy all the time. Mm-hmm. I don't know. I know what people have told me and what my own experience has mm-hmm. been, and so I respond to that, but I don't want to ever paint all seniors with a broad right, brush. Right, right. Oh, because it is a unique, aging is a unique experience. It is. Right? And there are often reporters who say to me, so... What do older people like? What do older people want? I mean, how could it's like saying, um, what dessert do all seniors prefer? (laughs) Tiramisu, clearly. (laughs) Not for me. (laughs) Oh, sorbet. Um, uh, Is there a myth around uh, erectile functioning? Yes. There are several myths around that. Um, The major overall umbrella myth that a man has is if my erections are not dependable or I'm not having an erection, then sex is over for me because I can't be pleased. I can't please my partner. And I and what's the point? What's the point? Exactly. If the penis doesn't work, what's the point? And there's so much wrong with that, too. There's so much. that, And I love when I get to talk to an audience and there are a lot of men there. Mm-hmm. Because first of all, it's really important that if a man is having erectile difficulties, he needs to see a medical professional yep. and find out what's going on. The same thing if a woman is not getting aroused physiologically. You know, I said before, if she's not feeling desire, but everything still works physiologically. Well, what if it doesn't? Mm-hmm. It's the same thing for both men and women, that the lack of blood flow to the clitoris or to the penis, which is preventing that arousal in, in either gender, can be a sign of heart disease. Totally. Can oh. be a sign of diabetes. Mm-hmm. Can be a sign of any number of medical conditions that can be treated. That can be fixed. Mm-hmm. And we also have to teach the medical profession yeah. that erectile dysfunction is a symptom. It's not a diagnosis. That's a wonderful way to put it. Yep. Because so often, oh, oh yeah, well, the problem is you have ED. No, that's a symptom. Mm-hmm. What is the problem? Why, right. why do I have ED? Thank you for saying that. Thank you. <sighs> yeah. <sighs> then the other part of that is if there's a, a situation where he's not going to have erections anymore, maybe mm-hmm. from prostate surgery or mm-hmm. for something that just that can't be fixed, that doesn't mean sex is over either. Most men don't know that men can have orgasms without erection and ejaculation. They don't know that. They think, you know, don't touch me if I can't get hard. But no, it should be the other way. Touch me more. I cannot, I I know this is not something that I've experienced in my own life, but I cannot wait to be 
around or near or intimate where I can see and experience that with a person and just be like, oh, like I've just never seen that. Yeah. And I'm really curious. I've always been fascinated because I don't quite understand it. If if, do you rub it like this? Do you rub it like that? Do you like? I don't. No, but well, often neither partner knows. Okay, because the man is used to just getting an erection with the thought of sex, Mm -hmm. or a visual thing, or whatever it is, and suddenly he doesn't get aroused unless he gets a whole lot of attention. It's like what we women have always wanted. Mm -hmm. I want lots of kissing. I want lots of touching. I want you know many much more time spent warming me up now the men need that too and they don't know that they don't know to ask for it the partners don't know to give it often the response of a woman in a relationship a long-term relationship with a man who doesn't have erections anymore is it's my fault he's not attracted to me anymore i've gotten too ugly Mm -hmm. and wrinkly and then of course let's say that if they are not going to be getting hard Mm -hmm. mm-hmm with then all the foreplay and the oh, not really foreplay but just play yes and making out they it's how do we know recognize in ourselves that we are becoming aroused if the only main indicator that we've paid attention to is an erect penis so what we need to tune into is just the sensual pleasure does mm-hmm. this feel good if it feels good does more of it feel even better mm-hmm. if it does let's keep doing it you have a particular tip in terms of pleasuring uh, a soft male who... There is a, there's quite a bit in Naked at Our Age on oh, that. Yeah? There's a whole chapter on Ooh. that, in fact, yes. Wait, what's the name? I've yes. got your, your book here. Um, gonna... There are two chapters on erectile dysfunction. One is men's stories, oh, one yeah. is women's stories, because often it's the women who write to me and who tell me about what's going on with their men, and they want, they want advice, or they want to tell what their experience is I see that. with making love to a man with ED. So I have... Um, so what men don't say out loud is one chapter, and women speak out. So it's the two or yes, dysfunction chapters. Yes. So there's a lot of information, and I don't want to give it all away, of course, no, totally. because we need to have this book on every, every bookshelf. And, and on that note, um, first of all, where can people get like Amazon or your website? Amazon or my website, joanprice.com. Awesome. You can get an autographed copy from me. Ooh, yes. joanprice.com. Uh-huh. Um, but also, I know that, okay, a lot of listeners are, have par- um, well, are younger, mm-hmm. um, and they, one... This would be great. I mean, I want this book. I, I'm actually probably going to go get it later today because um, I've already been reading through it. As a wonderful gift to give your parents or older relatives, like people who, like, I have known plenty of people who've had a parent, uh, parent who've had prostate issues. Yes. Or, you know, cancer or, or issues yes. where, and I, you, no one is giving them this information. And it may be a little awkward to, to gift wrap and hand, like, just open this when you're alone or whatever, but to, <laughs> It It is awkward, and depending on the relationship, it can be super awkward. Right. It can be wonderful. I've, I've had young people say, I bought your book for my parents, but I read it first, and, oh. you know, <laughs> and now I know how to talk about it if they want to bring it up. Mm-hmm. Uh, sometimes I recommend just say, oh, I saw Joan Price, at a, I, I took... I." went to one of her speeches, or I heard her on the radio, and I don't know if you'd be interested in this, but she was pretty interesting. Mm-hmm. You know, you can sort of couch it that way instead of saying, so I don't know if you and dad are still doing it, but you ought to be, right, <laughs> yeah, you right, want no, to be no, no, careful. And also, I don't know, like I want the people that I love, like my relatives, mm-hmm. and, and to be happy. Yes. And it's like, to frame it just like, hey, I want you to be happy. And the like, cure, happy anniversary, just... 
Well, you're a sex educator, so you can get away with that more than it's still many really of your awkward. listeners. Uh, yeah. Still really awkward. Still awkward. Yeah. I've, I've had people who are blood relation over overshare. Oh. Randomly, I mean, I don't know if you where you're like I am in a place where I don't want to hear. Oh, okay. Guess we're gonna guess we're gonna talk about that. So it's still like awkward, but at the same time, it's like I care about you. This is for, this is for private time. <laughs> like <laughs> moving on. Here you go. <laughs> like I don't know, but yeah, we we do have extra ability to be able to breach the awkward. Yes, we we are the permission givers. That's to right. The we are. We are. <laughs> Uh, I don't even know where to go now. I'm just like, okay, and that was... Well, let me fill in a little more that I sort of skimmed over, which with the old ways don't work anymore. Why don't they work anymore? How Mm -hmm. come things are changing? And part of it is just the uh, hormone depletion. Okay. We're not getting the estrogen or the testosterone, which is important in women as well as in men. Mm -hmm. So we're not having that same biological urge, and things feel different. Especially you may, uh, if you know any women who've been through menopause, it's like everything changes at menopause. Everything, emotionally, physically, (laughs) sleep-wise. I like that you say, because it is called the change. It's not the shutdown. It's just the change. No, it's just the change. Mm -hmm. And many women come out of menopause wanting sex more. Hey, I can't get pregnant. And they may not even realize how mm-hmm. much the fear of pregnancy oh, was shutting them down before. Right. And was stopping them from fully enjoying and realizing their own sexuality. Because there was always this part that said, oh, but how do I, is, but what if, and now they don't need to do that. Woohoo. But there's more to it than that, too. There's also, um, probably they're done with child rearing. They may or may not have more free time because we're very busy people. I sure don't have any more free time than I did before I, quote, semi-retired, unquote. I think I'm busier than ever. But it's a little different. It's a little different. There may be fewer people telling them what to do or asking them to take care of them. Mm. So they're responsible for their own pleasure a little bit more. So for many people, this is just a wonderful time of life where things get sexier. For other people, because they don't have that hormone rush, which they depended on to want to have sex, and they're thinking, oh my gosh, I don't know if I really want to have sex. Yeah, it can be incredibly distressing Yes, to to be in that unknown space. Well, it's really unnerving. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I've experienced long periods where I didn't have sexual urges. Mm-hmm. And... They're confusing. It totally is. Like, yeah. It's all those shoulds. Like I should be this. I should be that. I. Why am I like this? This. Something's wrong. So for people at my age, if we look at it as, forget about whether you have the urge or not. How can we really enjoy these wonderful bodies that are still capable of great pleasure? Mm-hmm. Um, I, I mean, I don't mean to bring it personal, but um, personal's fine. Like I, I know that you and your partner before he passed away. Um, had a pretty vibrant love life. Oh yeah, <laughs> I, just, I recall. Okay, first of all, at the the last ASECT conference in Austin, they opened up with like uh, Dr. Christopher White, who's who's been on the show. I love him. Yes, I heard him. He invited people up to do line dancing. Oh yes, <laughs> and no one. I mean, we're all like just. I ran up there. You. Uh, 
a sea of therapists and like people who are supposed to empower other people to be all they can be. No one's standing up. Everyone's nervous. And then Joan, you like just pop up. Well, and I like, teach line dancing. Oh, do <laughs> I do. This is my real life. I wanted to take the microphone away and say, hey, let me lead this. I can teach this dance. Fantastic. And then I got up there and like a bunch of us got up there. But you like I felt so silly. I'm like. There's Joan leading the pack and getting up there. <laughs> I need to get up there because this well, is ridiculous. good. It was so much fun. Um, so I just I recall that. Like, can you can you share a little bit about your own journey in terms sure. of being a partner and aging? Well, the whole reason that I got into this field of senior sex education is that at age fifty-seven, I met and fell in love with an amazing man who was then 64. Mm-hmm. We were having the, the spiciest, craziest, most wonderful, most exhilarating sex, as well as the most em- emotionally fulfilling relationship mm-hmm. of our entire lives, mm-hmm. both of us. And I went looking for books, because of course, being a writer, I'm a reader, and I thought, let me read about other people's experiences, because I had never heard of people of my age and his age mm-hmm. having great sex. I just It was a total mystery to me. So I went looking. I didn't find anything that was both educational and fun to read and sexy to read. Mm-hmm. So Robert said, well, you're the writer. Write your own. Mm-hmm. So I did. I wrote, <laughs> I wrote better than I ever expected. Straight talk about sex after 60. Mm-hmm. The whole reason for it was to celebrate the joys of older age sexuality. And it was mostly my memoir with some input from other people too. But I'd say about 75% my memoir. Right. And I just had such a wonderful time writing it and bringing chapters to Robert at the end of the day and mm-hmm. saying, so, so I need to clear something with you because I want to make sure it's all right with you that I say this. And he'd go, oh, you don't really need to write about that, do you? And I'd say, yeah, I think I really do. Because no one was talking yeah. authentically about this. No one was talking about what you do if arousal takes a really long time or um, what's different with older bodies. And so I did it. And then after that book came out, people kept coming up to me and writing to me and saying, well, that's really great. You're having good sex, Joan. But I am not because. Right. Okay. Wait. Yes. Okay. This is a really important moment. Because you were the cheerleader for, oh my God, it's different than what I've been told. But, but then, it's better than I ever expected. It's better than I expected. But then you have people who are frustrated because then you're not reflecting their experience. That's right. And they need help. And yes. it's, I'm noticing that just in general in sex ed when you're like, there's this other thing that no one ever told us, but this is also cool. And then people are like, well, that's not my experience. And they're yep. like, wah, wah, wah. it's like encompassing everyone and helping everyone to fulfill their potential and their pleasure. Well, that's right. And they started telling me their stories. It was like they had read my story. And so it was as if I had confided in them. At over the kitchen table or yeah. in, the, in the living room, and so they felt okay. I'm I'll co- I'll be comfortable telling her my story, and they would just pour it out, and they would tell me the stories about all the problems they're facing and what's interfering with them having good sex. Mm-hmm. And I realized, oh my gosh, I only told one little part of the story. Now it's time mm-hmm. to find the answers to the questions they have to address the problems they're having, mm-hmm. and that's going to be the next book which is why Naked at Our Age followed five years later. Can I ask how, okay, in terms of just 
popularity of each book. You've mm-hmm. got a memoir that's like better than we've ever expected. Yay. I, mean, I totally just botched the title, but you know, like, woo, yay, this uh-huh. is me. And then there's the, oh, answering the questions. Which book has been more popular in terms of just book sales? Well, book sales better than I ever expected at a five-year uh, head start. Oh, yes. No, yeah. said, but just like... But within a year or two of each book, which one? Oh, kind of- well, then Naked at RH is doing much better for how long it's been out. Mm-hmm. But it's also won two awards and is up for a third one. Oh, won wow. major awards. Uh, ASECT, who, who, oh. that you mentioned. Book of the uh, Year? Book of the Year last oh, year. Oh, you so That's deserve right. that. Thank you. And the American, so, uh, or the American Society of Journalists and Authors named it the best self-help book of the year. Oh, that's same, wonderful. Same year. Within a month, I was getting these two awards. And right now, the audiobook version, which is available on audible.com, mm-hmm. is up for an Audi, which is the Oscars of audiobooks. Fantastic. Did yeah. you, are you the reader? I'm not. There's a wonderful actress, mm-hmm. uh, Suzanne Torin, who's so good. And she's reading it. In fact, I cried when I listened to it. She was so good. Oh. It's just, oh, that's how it's supposed to be read. Yeah. No, I've, I'm, I've been really getting into audiobooks lately. So. Oh, yes. Yeah. Oh, fantastic. Oh, Joan, I'm so excited for you. Yeah. Ah, okay. I have two very different questions. Okay. All right. Do you, I mean, was there anything in that? I feel like we covered things. Did we cover all the myths? No, but we got a lot of them. Oh, okay. There's so much. Like, yeah. really, this I is... mean, they're dating myths. They're safe sex myths. Mm-hmm. Okay. Ah. That is one of them, actually, of the two that are, like, really, like, burning in my mind. Okay, and that's... Good. I mean, I've heard there seems to be a huge boon in terms of STD transmission in the elderly population. Yes. Am I allowed to say the word elderly? Is that, is that a mean well, word? Is y- that... It's not a mean word, but to me, that means old, much older than I am. Okay. I don't know. Um, I mean, some people hate the word senior. Okay. I don't mind it at all. So I always address people as boomers, seniors, and elders and figure they're going to identify with one or the other of them. All right. <laughs> I feel good about that. Yeah. Okay. Is the perception if you're over a certain age, you don't need to use protection? We have, for people who are very intelligent, experienced, and savvy, we really have our heads in the sand over this mm-hmm. because the fastest growing the the age group with the fastest growing rate of new HIV infections is over 50. We are also the age group that doesn't discuss safer sex. You'll see in the uh, in the safe sex at our age, <laughs> safer sex yes at our age chapter of naked at our age mm-hmm. that uh, I have a whole lot of people who wrote to me about why they don't need to use barrier protection. And they're so wrong, 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 wrong. But like, oh, I can't, don't need to get pregnant. Oh, things so. like, oh, the chance of me being hit by a car is more than if I, than the chance of my getting HIV. Oh, come on. No. I mean, please, if you're going to, here's how I talk to people about this. If you're going to have sex without a condom with someone new, that person has also had sex without a condom with the person before you and that person mm-hmm. with the person before him. And so on. And exponentially, you're having sex with all of these people. Do you really want to have unprotected sex with all of these people that you don't know? Because it, you, can't tell by lo- you can't tell by looking at someone whether 
the person has an STD. You can't. And yet so many people in my age group, we just really ah put on blinders and say, oh, but he looks so grandfatherly and he's he's been widowed and and, uh, and he, he was only with his wife for 35 years and he's only been dating for six months. Okay. Why is he pressuring you to have sex without a condom? Well, because he says he doesn't feel anything with a condom. Oh, and so with how many people did he feel something without a condom? Oh. No, you just can't. We, we like to say, oh, he wants me. I'm so, I'm, I'm so grateful that he wants me. And I don't want to rock it by saying, oh, but we're going to use condoms. He'll think I'm a slut. He'll think I don't trust him. Mm-hmm. We, have, we have excuses that teenagers have never even thought of. Right, right. Because it's just, <laughs> it's, it's, it's just a different generation of what it the is. messages have been and, and what people are holding. I cannot wait. I mean, okay, I can. There's a lot of life to live. But when I'm also, I part of the reason why I find this so important is because I want to be empowered and feeling comfortable in my sexuality yes. till the day I die. Like, Thank I want you. to feel comfortable with myself. I want that, too. Thank you. Yes. Um, and so I can't wait to see what my generation is going to act like in our misperceptions when we're 62. Oh, I'd, I'd love to be around to read that <laughs> book. <laughs> it's going to be different, but it's still going to be hilarious. It's going to be. <laughs> yes, yes. Um, so who knows? Who knows what's going to come I out of the know. woodwork? Um, but I And I have talked with people who are new to the dating scene yeah. they've been married for a long time or in long-term relationships they've never worn condoms before or it's been decades yes 50 and, years <laughs> right or they want to buy it for someone else and they don't know it just it's it's a difficult thing but it's something we just have to get over mm-hmm. we just have to do it that's all and there are some things I mean, you think no one's ever going to invent a better condom but there actually is one now <sighs> Wait, are you talking about origami I'm talking about the female condom. Oh, okay, okay. Because so often one of the excuses that men will use for not using condoms at our age is it's tough enough to try to maintain an erection at my age, Mm -hmm. and I just can't do it with a condom. Oh, I see. Oh, I never thought about that. But, see, this is just one of my favorite things about the female condom, is that the man doesn't have to be hard. The woman wears it, Mm -hmm. and the man can be semi-hard. He can maybe not even be hard at all. They can, they can just go ahead and do what they would do without a condom, but mm-hmm. we've, got, we've got that sheath protecting yeah. them. And I, I mean, it just, there's no excuse not to, really. And FYI, well, I mean, this is, this is the term I've heard for that when a, a male, um, basically, it's called stuffing. Stuffing, when, when yes. You push, I, I don't like that word. I don't like it either. I purposely, you probably looked at me going, why is she hesitating? Because I know that's the term and I thought, yeah, but that's not a term that's going to sound sexy. good to people. Yeah, it's like a kind no, of a mean it, word. It, it does sound like a mean word, um, but that is the kind of, the word that's used often for mm-hmm. for just, just trying to, to have sex, have penetration with a, um, a soft penis. Yeah. Um, Thank you. But thank you for sharing that. That's a great tip. I had never thought about because the tightness can be challenging. That's right. Um, and you have to be erect to slide on the regular condom. And, mm-hmm. and then if you lose the erection, then the thing comes off. But not the female condom. Yeah, the receiver wears it. That's right. It's the like a windsock. It. It, That's right. It's like it a windsock. <laughs> That's right. And it's about that cute. Yeah. <laughs> and, and one of the cool things also is that women can insert this long before they decide to have sex. 
that it isn't a matter of just at the moment you have to you have to try to figure out how to get the thing on. Yeah, you just take care of it an hour beforehand and go about your business. Great. Question. Are you ready? I'm ready. Okay. Ooh, this, the way she's narrowing her eyes at me. I'm in trouble. This is a question. I don't remember if you remember our conversation. It was at the speaker's lunch at Bill? No, not Bill. I remember so little, Sandra. <laughs> <laughs> Ever. <laughs> That's why uh, I take very good notes. <laughs> Catalyst West. Okay. Last year. We were at the speaker's lunch. And I asked you, like, what is it that people do not ask you and you wish that people would ask you? Oh, what did I say? That's a good question. (laughs) Thanks. Um, And it was something like, what can we do now to change society's perspective of, of sex and aging? That sounds like I might have said it. (laughs) Yeah, good job. You're welcome. I'm going to try to remember it this time. (laughs) Yeah. I do love that question because I am so, I'm, I mean, part of it, part of what I do, what I believe in, what my mission is, is helping to get information to people who need it. I really take this seriously and, and I love doing it. And it's just, it's, it's my purpose right now. But the other part of that is I really want to change how senior sex is viewed in society. Mm-hmm. And, it's going to take many of us. It's going to take people standing up and saying, no, that joke isn't funny. Mm-hmm. Or, 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 say, or writing an, a, an email to, say, a network that always portrays seniors in a degrading way. Mm-hmm. Oh, letting them know, like, this letting is maybe them know. not the best thing. You know, this is, this is crude and, and it's really not funny. Mm-hmm. And then on the other side, to give atta girls and atta boys to people who are doing it right. Yeah. Let them know that. I mean, Betty White, Helen Mirren, <sighs> they're wonderful role models. Uh, they're very sexy, and they talk about it. Helen Mirren posing in a bathtub. And Betty White, when a few birthdays ago she was asked if there was anything that she regretted not doing in her life, mm-hmm. she said Robert Redford. Oh, that's amazing. Really? I mean, that's what we need is people who... Are going, they'll, the humor is there, but mm-hmm. the humor is not at our expense. Right. Right. It's a different perspective than what you yes. see. Yes. Oh, thank you for saying that. No, it's, it's good. I think the desire, like, it feels, it feels good to say I want to have, have sexual pleasure in my life for all of my life. Well, that's the other part to that. I'll have young people, um, generally reporters, and generally they're men, and they're maybe they're maybe in their 30s or even early 40s. And they'll say something like, oh, well, this is all great. You're giving good information, but I just, I I can't bear to picture my parents having sex. Ew. You know, and then they do this whole lick factor thing about their own parents. Mm -hmm. So I like to say to them, so at what age do you plan to retire your genitals? Mm -hmm. Is it 42? Might you get to 51 and a half? When might that be? And they realize just how stupid that sounds. Right. So, we, so you've seen change in people when you frame it like that. Well, they do. They have to stop and think. And then they, first they laugh. And then they go, yeah, you're right. That's a pretty dumb idea. I guess your brain goes to other people. Yes. And, and then you're like, oh, yeah, but when you yeah. go, wait, what about me? Yeah. That's true. Right? Cause, and also it's like, come on. You don't have to think about your parents 
doing the No, we've never thing. wanted to think about our parents. Even when we were teenagers and they were pretty young folks then, mm-hmm. we didn't want to think about our parents having sex. Yeah. I mean, but also to like shove people into specific roles and to act like the familial, the family role is all encompassing for a person. Like that's all they are is that role to other people. It's like, no, they're a full-fledged human being and all their experience and like all their, the ways that they... That's right. And you look at any older person on the street, you have no idea what goes on in the bedroom. Mm -hmm. No idea. Someone can look just, I don't know, matronly, grandmotherly, wheeling a shopping cart. uh, You have no idea. She could have had really hot sex all morning. One thing that's fun is with the new book, Ageless Erotica, which has stories by 29 different writers all over 50, Mm -hmm. is I've had a couple of events where I've had author panels and the writers in a given city, we've done this in San Francisco and in New York so far, will come and read from their stories. And you look, look at this panel of writers, they look like just any person over 50 or 60 or in some cases 70. And and then the words that come out of their mouths, you go, whoa. And Are they like, naughty words? Oh, well, yeah. I mean, <laughs> naughty thoughts, naughty words. They've set up scenarios. Of, uh, we all see when you read Ageless Erotica, <laughs> you'll be surprised. And then you see these people that just don't look the part, right. whatever the part is that we have our preconceived notion as the part. Mm-hmm. And I think that's a part of our education now, too, is to realize that you don't have to look in whatever your definition of sexy is, you can be sexy. And feel sexy. And you know, these same people on the panel, as they read their stories, they got sexier looking (laughs) with every sentence. I mean, I could just see it. People watching them going, oh, I I know, we're doing this on radio and you can't see the eyebrows. eyebrows, yeah. (laughs) That's wonderful. It's the hard part about being a host when you just want to think about a thing for a while. You're like, oh, wow, that's cool. I just want to sit here and be, be silent. Can't be silent on a podcast. That's good. But yeah, my brain's going to places. One thing, I we're getting to the end of this glorious hour of wonderful talking. And thank you for coming out, P.S. Um, finding partners. Now, from what I've heard, the gender balance can get a little wonky in older populations in that men tend to pass away earlier. Well, not only that, but they tend to often want younger women when they date again. Right. So, yes, there are fewer men available and they are not as interested as they really ought to be Mm -hmm. in women their own age Mm -hmm. or even older. So that's tough. And we have... um, now, I said I do a, a workshop called How the Heck Do I Date at This Age? I'm now dating again. My dear husband died in 2008. Mm. And I'm just starting to be able to date again. Oh, wow. Yeah. Um, I mean, I thought I was ready before, yeah. and then I went running away as soon as I tried yeah. it. It was very hard because he was really the love of my life. Yeah. And we were together just seven years, exactly seven years to the day. Wow. Yeah. And so now, being a single person, of course, tra- first, it just was such a depressing idea. Yeah. And the idea that, um, you know, I knew I wasn't looking for another Robert. There is no other Robert. Mm-hmm. But I feel ready for male companionship. Mm-hmm. And it doesn't have to be another Robert. I, yeah. 
Um, I'm very fussy, yes, of course, but <laughs> yes, you could probably guess <laughs> I'm very fussy. Um, but I am open, mm-hmm. and it isn't really any easier for me than for people who aren't as assertive as right. I am. Yeah. It isn't really. So one of the reasons I started my workshop is sort of make lemonade when you're fed lemons. Oh. is a sort of thing. Oh, but See who shows the, up. <laughs> I was even saying that to myself. How the heck do I date at this age? Oh, that's a good workshop title. <laughs> and so that's helped me a lot to devise that workshop because what's happened then is anything that, that happens in a bad date or a lack of date or just a, even a, a horrible date is I get, oh, good. That's one of my stories for my workshop now. So you are so, making lemonade out of it. I am of- making lemonade out of this. And I've learned so much about dating that maybe would be important to share with your audience because it isn't really just my age. Mm-hmm. It's just that it seems like the <laughs> there are fewer people around mm-hmm. for my age. Um, is that we are not auditioning someone for the rest of our life. We're only auditioning someone for the next date. And if we could look at it that way and and take our egos out of it, take the weight of the world out of this whole dating thing, we're just getting to know people. And I know you know Dan Savage. I adore I Dan Savage. I have met him yet. I want oh. to. If you talk to him, you say, well, I've tweeted. He's like, we've tweeted at each other. Yes. It's like, Dan, I want to meet you. I was on his podcast once, so mm-hmm. happy to do that. So I haven't met him personally either, but we know about each other. Um, he says, every relationship fails until one doesn't. And I love that because so many people my age, I don't know if this is the same for your age, hmm. we start doing this online dating thing and it's such a heavy weight we're carrying on our shoulders pressure. suddenly. Yes, pressure. Okay, I'm reading these profiles. I have to write my own profile. I have to make it reflect a, me in a good way and I have to figure out who these guys really are from what they say and from those stupid pictures in sunglasses. <laughs> guys, don't wear sunglasses in your profile photos. Oh, that's just one of my soapboxes. Don't wear sunglasses. (laughs) And okay, guys, you're telling me women don't pose with your grandchildren or your little dogs. So I'm passing that along because men say that. Um, But if, if instead of thinking, oh my gosh, this has got to be the one, I've got to find the one somehow. No, you're not. You're just practicing dating again. They're just learning how to date again, that's all. Getting to know people, expanding your social circle. Having a nice evening. Having a nice evening. Finding someone who has interests in common with you, has good conversation. You're also practicing how to date, how much to divulge, what to talk about. Yes, your, your previous mate is going to come up in the conversation, and it should come up in the conversation. So how do you avoid the monologue about your perfect former spouse or your deadbeat ex? Oh, and people are unloading yes. baggage of their previous. Yeah. So how do you how much do you tell? How much do you ask? So well, the, the answer Well, the answer is just practice. Oh, just practice. Okay. That's why every date is a good date because you get to practice. I would really prefer if you just gave me an answer, Joan. Yeah, I know, <laughs> but I don't have one. <sighs> Monica just gave me the one hour uh, mark and we were teasing her before we started like just, just I, I was I so imagine that you'd say one hour bitch or like something to be like so I'm like I tell her like dom me dom me to like stay within time oh. 
practice. It's true. It's true. It is true. Yeah. Yeah. But it, but you're making a face like that's a bad thing. Let it be fun. I'm making a face uh, with flashbacks of my own dating experience because thank you for saying it doesn't make it any easier. Being more in tapped into the conversation around mm-hmm. relationships and sex doesn't really make finding love and, and dating any easier. You'd think it I, would, huh? But it really doesn't. doesn't. Like I struggle I struggle a lot. I mean, thankfully I have more access to tools that can help. Mm-hmm. You know, like, and lots of books and things, but yeah. there's nothing like bravery and fighting fears and lots of feelings. And we intimidate people with our our profession and our mm-hmm. assertiveness. Yeah. I know I do. I suspect you do too. Um I seem to alienate the conversation because of how direct because I'm so used to talking about a because di- there are different ways to communicate mm-hmm. and because through the last couple of years especially practiced being really specific and like mm-hmm. laser focused around the just how to say something like I'm feeling weird or or I like this thing and because a lot of people their communication style is a lot more subtle lots of more of suggestive you know, innuendo. It's so just, that's a good screening test because you need to be with someone who's direct. Or can handle it and, and bring yeah. it. Yeah. yeah. You would not be happy having to censor yourself all the time. No, I definitely don't censor myself. It's more learning how to, ah, just all the layers of communication. I, I think you need someone as direct as you are, that's all. I think so? Yeah. Mm-hmm. I, I need someone who's passionate. Mm-hmm. And excited about mm-hmm. the passionate journey. Yes. What do you need? Uh, what, what is on your What is on your wish list? Oh dear, I'm so fussy. Yeah. Yeah. You said fussy. I'm skittish. That's the word I would oh. use in terms of. So I'm real skittish. I'm yeah. Oh, I'm not skittish, but I'm I guess very demanding. I'm not. Uh, I don't know if I'm saying that right, but in order to have a relationship with someone, he would need to be physically fit because that's very important to me mm-hmm. and I put my time into that mm-hmm. for myself intellectually fit and vibrant mm-hmm. because I love that and if we can't talk books and ideas and concepts and I, there there would be no future to the relationship mm-hmm. beyond that it would be great if I was attracted to him and, yeah. <laughs> and he has the energy to match mine that's mm-hmm. not easy yeah, you yeah, you got a lot of energy. You have more energy than I do, it feels like. <laughs> well, like mm. <laughs> Yeah, that's a great wish list. It's all yeah. reasonable, but it's But see, one of the things that I recommend in this dating workshop is you make a wish list. You make a wish list of Okay, let me let me backtrack a little and do I have time for a story? Hell yeah, you've got <laughs> 6 minutes for a story. Okay, it won't take 6 minutes. <laughs> When I was in my 30s, I was keeping a journal. And lately, just a few years ago, I went through all the old journals, started rereading them. And I found this wish list, the man I was looking for. But when I was in my 30s, and there was a list of 30 things, 30 traits. And you know what? Robert had every last one of them. (gasps) No way. And I'd put that aside. I'd never looked at it again. I hadn't thought about it again. But that was what I was looking for. Even from age 30, I finally met him at age 57. 
So don't despair (laughs) if it takes a while. Totally. So what I recommend that people do is that they make their wish list, but they do it now in three columns. I've refined this idea. Ten non-negotiables. Ten, it would also be nice if. Mm -hmm. And then ten more, as long as I'm asking. Okay. Now, the as long as I'm asking, they're not going to be super important. You can find someone who's perfect who doesn't have those. But what if he does? Ooh. You know, like for me, one of those, as long as I'm asking, would be good dancer loves to dance because mm-hmm. I'm a good dancer and loves mm-hmm. to dance. Well, he'd been dancing from the age of two. Nice, Joan. I know. Way to find a good one. I know. <laughs> He, was, he started tap dancing it, too. Uh, then he did ballet and modern dance. So he just happened to walk into my line dancing class at, uh, right, at, right before his 64th birthday. Huh. Was it immediate? Were you like, oh, hello? It was immediate lust. <gasps> oh, okay. It was lust at first sight. I mm. thought, I have got to keep breathing. And I have no idea what dance I'm teaching. And I don't remember the next step. But, oh, can that man move? <laughs> oh, I love people and their attraction. Okay. Um, okay, no, well, I have to ask just to fill in because you're saying that you had seven years together. Yes. Just lightly, the, in the path of, because I find the path of life so interesting in all the phases we go through, and it feels like multiple lives. Yes, you know, it does. Many chapters. It is. What, I mean, was there marriage before that? Were there kids? Were, was it many relationships? Like, what was just sort of the... Mm-hmm. I had a number of relationships before my first marriage. Mm-hmm. And my first marriage wasn't until I was mm, 29, I think. I think. And that only lasted four and a half years, though we're still very, very good friends like bosom buddy, good friends. Mm-hmm. He's someone I, I called when Robert died. Mm-hmm. I called because he was the one who would understand. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and between my first marriage and Robert, there were lots of relationships. Mm-hmm. There were long-term relationships up to um, eight years. Yeah. There were short-term relationships down to a few hours. There were a, um, there was one time in my life where I had multiple relationships, and uh, this was all known to everyone. This was in the seventies, and it was sort of what we were doing mm-hmm. at that time. I had several lovers at the same time. I mean, not in the mm-hmm. same moment, but um, over the same period of time. And um, so I sort of felt like I went through so many different stages of how we express our sexuality. Mm -hmm. And then suddenly in my 40s, I felt like I became invisible. Oh, I see. That the men I was attracted to were just not attracted to me anymore. Mm -hmm. They were looking over my head. Mm -hmm. Now, that is very easy because I'm only 4'10". But that's not enough of a reason to do it. I've heard that, and it, it worries me. It yes. worries me because that, that can be devastating. It was devastating. I thought, this time in my life, I'm really the best I've ever been. I am the most fulfilled. I am the most creative. I have my life going the way I want it. I've let go of the stupid stuff. And I'm the person you want to meet, guys. Why are you not paying any attention to me now? Mm-hmm. And I've always been told I look younger than I am, so I even thought, uh, can't I get away with But I'm glad I didn't get away with that, because now that authenticity is so much more important to me, 
I'm always telling people how old I am. So if they think I look younger, well, that's too bad. I'm not. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and it was very difficult. And for a number of years until Robert came along, there were either very um, short-lived relationships or for a period of time, sometimes a year and a half at a time, no relationships. Huh. And it was just really shocking. And then once I met Robert, I thought, oh, okay. So all of this was just to keep me ready to meet him. He was taking his time getting to me. <laughs> oh, that's great. Yeah. That's a great way to see it. I mean, I there is that concept of we're all looking for the one. Uh-huh. And it can feel desperate at times or like, am I going to or what? And But desperation is not the way you meet the one because desperation is not attractive. Dude, not. Yeah. No, it makes you look real angry. So we have to be happy with our lives just the way they are. If we can say, I'm on a date with me and I'm a fabulous date. <laughs> I'm having the time of my life. Then what we give off is a, um, a pleasure and a self-acceptance that is very attractive. Mm-hmm. Whereas if we're thinking, okay, he must be around the corner somewhere. Where is he? Damn it, I'm dressed up for nothing. Even then we come across, as you said, as angry yeah. and depressed and lonely and needy. Did, did you, do you feel like looking back that in, in that, that space in your, your 40s when you were feeling invisible, did, did you feel that that was a little bit of what was happening? I mean, I or think was it, it more like the life transition of the, the men in that age group where they were kind of in a place where they needed some combination of all of that? Mm-hmm. I still don't really understand it. Okay. No, because there were so many years of it that I just go, what's going on here? Why is this really over? Mm-hmm. Am I never going to meet someone that I want to have a relationship with again? Yeah. Mm. Huh. Oh. Yeah. I will say that you think like, oh, dating someone, a female who's 45, some people will think like, oh, you know, because they have that ick factor and mm-hmm. they have a certain perception of what that a female that age looks like but really like i've been at like a, like a singles event where where people were in their 40s and i just saw and pretty it, gorgeous huh yeah i mean there's it's like you say it's the life that you live it's the life you choose yes. so you really are wearing what your decisions are so there's right. there's some major hotness in that age bracket there's a lot of not so much yes. in that age bracket. It, so it's really be You're open to it absolutely right yeah, yeah. oh <laughs> it's gonna be good yes excellent i feel like this is a good life-affirming podcast just even for me because it's like yeah i'm turning 30 and and it's gonna get even better and <laughs> and i'm yeah. twice your age plus nine and <laughs> it's gonna get even better than that yeah and thank you for all of your great work and thank you for on the uh, this book tour teaching all the workshops well, thank you, you bringing it to southern california that you've had time for me oh yes of course and next time i'm here i'll do it again please do Definitely uh, look me up. So where can people, again, people find you and They get your can book? find me very easily at joanprice.com. And all three books, they can get you there. Yes, they can. Or they can find the books on Amazon. My blog is nakedatourage.com. My email address, I'm happy to hear from people, joan at joanprice.com. It's all easy. Ah, excellent. And I'm Sex Nerd Sandra at, on the Twitters, emails, all the things, Facebooks. Ah, okay, well... Joan, go team fun. Smack the table. Spam.